0: listening to the Manchester Vineyard podcast, we'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Well guys, good morning. I, I'm delighted to be back, I hope you are. I hope you're well rested. Um, if, if If you're not, I hope you find rest in Jesus. Isn't it wonderful to worship together like that? Jesus would cause the darkness to tremble. I pray that over your lives, whatever that darkness may be, whatever that fear may be, that that would tremble in the presence of God this morning, that there would be such an awareness (laughs) of the presence of God. I am... I have to tell you, I was remarkably well rested, although at the minute I feel exhausted I stayed up way too late to watch Vardy's first goal. I don't know if you saw that, but I recommend it, it was great. Um, but I'm delighted to launch a new series this morning. And before we jump in, I just want to tell you a quick story about my holiday. Um, I had a few days on the beach with the kids, and I love building sandcastles, engaging in a good old tide fight. And as much as they loved it, I've got to tell you, and you probably already know, I loved it more, like way more. I, I, I have this really, really good spade. Um, I nearly brought you a photo, but I thought that was going too far. But I need to confess, I had that spade before the kids were born. And uh, that's how seriously I take a tide fight. And um, it's, it's not just any old spade, it's actually reinforced at the handle and at the spade end. So it's pretty, it's pretty special. And so when you're up against the competition of anyone else on the beach, because it is a competition, um, this is like the the JCB of spades. It's like, it's really got it going on. So anyway, um, this is it's quite a thing working out how you build these things, isn't it? Like, you know, the amount of tunnels and trenches and walls and where you put your sandcastles, whether or not you have wet sand dry sand a combination of both small stones big stones to reinforce it and all of that so i'm i'm creating this sandcastle that fellow beach goers are coming to take photos of you know and 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 like the the kids on the beach want to be part of it because it's like this is the one where it's going on i i am that person um anyway I, what i really love doing is creating the beach on the beach now I know some of you have done that, so don't look at me like I'm a bit strange. You create a massive staggered hole, and it's got to be staggered because you've got to get it just right. You don't want to go so deep that you're cutting into the stones or like waters coming up from beneath. So you've got to get the right depth, and it's got to be like you know on this angle heading towards the, the sea. And it's got to also be strong enough to prevent the waves coming in, but also allow ease of access for filling the thing. So. The, the purpose of it really is to save the kids having to go in the sea. You've got like this nice little safer, smaller version, this mini pool right where you are. And uh, you then spend the rest of your day just refilling it and filling it and filling it with with buckets. And um, The one I built this year was actually so big that I had to have a second pool to fill it from because it was then too far to walk the five metres to the beach to fill. We had to have like a filler pool and an overflow pool. and and all sorts and at the at the end of the day it's the kind of thing where like the local people just come and wash their feet in it rather than walk to the beach it's like i'll oh, get the sand off my feet in your like mini pool that saves me going the whole way just just for a minute can you just imagine the three pools okay you could imagine the 30 odd that i had leading up to the sea but there's the three pools okay there's the sea which we're going to call a pool there's There's like the mini pool that's my filly pool, and then there's my own personal beach for me and the kids. And um, the two fillip pools, I would say they're, they're a bit of a laugh. They're good for about 20 minutes. They're safe for the kids to play in great little environment, and then they get a bit bored, safe and comfortable. I can sit back on the sunbed or lock about playing with them. But it's, I mean, it's good, but it's fairly boring and a bit restrictive after about 20 minutes. Then there's the sea. There's this huge, adventurous, wild thing, swimming, snorkelling, inflatable boats, jet skis, you name it, it's there, there's a world beyond that, of adventure, there's the unseen, unseen lands to discover, fish beyond comprehension and beyond measure, and actually something that, if misunderstood, is highly dangerous, and um, could be you could get yourself into difficulty quite quick. And as we launch into this new term, the the theme and the thread that we feel the Lord is nudging us towards is to consider invitation. And the way I want to pose that this morning is an invitation to the fullness of the relationship that we can have with God, to fully know him, to leave the safety of the mini pool and adventure out into all that could be. And the invitation is for us to not settle where we are to not just know what we know, believe what we believe, step out in what we're currently stepping out in, but to learn new ways, to be equipped to do that, and also to learn to invite others into that and to go way beyond the confines of our current comfort and safety. When when I was 19, I met this guy that changed my life. I'm not trying to be irreverent in any way, but I mean Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. He changed my life in a moment. But actually, the more I discovered of who he created me to be and how he sees the best in me and knows how to call that out and how to draw that out, the fullness of that life and the hope and love that he shows is a progressive journey for the rest of my life. It's a dynamic relationship that wasn't just a one-time thing but is a lifetime of being shaped, modelled, challenged, changed and discipled over the long haul. We can know God. We can have a relationship with God. The Holy Spirit is a person to be known and to be experienced. And I want to invite you out of the safety or the comfort of wherever you find yourselves. Even if that has previously been a stretch, we can then land in that place and it's no longer a stretch. I want us to step out afresh. And I want to invite you into that place afresh this morning. You know, as I was thinking about this series and this term... Together, one one thing that I I just continually felt the Lord saying was, for some of you, I I just feel like it's time to lick your wounds. There's there's been things that have held you back, family dynamics, relational breakdown, hurts, pains, spoken words, isolation, insecurities, frustration, some pain and misunderstandings, sometimes even within church context but whatever it is i felt for some of you actually this is the right time to call that out and to say it's time to lick your wounds and to leave them behind and i don't say that lightly i know for some of you there will there'll be some deep scars there'll be stuff and and actually other things way beyond anything i've just mentioned but i want to beckon you towards the fullness that he has for you and not let the lies of the enemy restrict you or hold you back to invite you to jump into a new place. Romans eight, many of you will be quite familiar with this, but it says I'm convinced that neither sorry, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, nor the powers of hell, can separate us from the love of God. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Followers of Jesus over many years have faced many things, hardships in many forms, persecution, illness, imprisonment, even death, powers of the unseen forces of Satan may have battered you into the small pool. And I want to invite you back into the sea, as I was really thinking about what I wanted to speak on specifically this morning in the context of invitation, I felt what I really wanted to talk about was commitment. But I thought in today's culture, if I tell you I'm going to talk about commitment, none of you will want to commit. So um, how I framed it was more around give or take. That's the invitation I want to make to you today. Do Do you see yourself as somebody who is giving Or taking will you give or will you take often in a a city particular city like this we see so many people constantly transitioning the 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 transitioning through a city becomes something that then is reflected in the church people see it that they're just constantly passing through we see it particularly among students you often would hear them say i'm just here for a short time that same you could say for many walks or seasons of life young professionals i'm just here for a a few months and, and of course that's fine i'm not trying to tie anybody down i'm not trying to make you feel gu- guilty i just think that current culture holds the concept of commitment so lightly and i want to challenge us today to start to view our commitment through the lens of do we give or do we take if we see it through the lens of giving i believe we're going to personally grow and mature much more. It will place us in a far healthier position. Let's consider commitment with with just a few things in mind. And the the first one is this, community. Commitment is crucial for us to become a community. Do we give to community or do we take from it? There's a huge difference between knowing something about someone and really knowing them. You, You will know a fair bit, I would say, about me. I like bacon. I'm fairly, some of you knew that, you see. I'm fairly obsessive about building sandcastles. Um, I've got a pretty special blue spade. You know these things about me. I often wear shorts. I support a football team that won the league fairly recently. You know, you know some of the things I really hope that I'm really passionate about, that I deeply care about. I love Jesus so much, and I'm passionate about telling anyone and anyone, That will listen, he's changed my life. Now I could say that I have a level, that level of knowledge actually about a number of people that I've not even met. I could tell you a few things like the things I've just told you about various people, Jamie Oliver, Lewis Hamilton, Demet O'Leary. I could probably tell you roughly some of their likes or dislikes. I once met um, princess diana i mean sadly she's passed away but she'd never know who i am i reckon i could tell you a few things about her and her life though but then there's people that you know more closely i don't know what what does that look like now it's like you know maybe they've got your email address or you'd call or text or whatsapp i mean you might even actually meet them in person um you might go to their house share a meal you might know some of their family members you might know some of the things that they're struggling with you might be somebody that they would say is there for them in those seasons and those times there'd then be some people i think that are even closer than that maybe just a handful full of people it's why we would constantly harp on about small groups because we're trying to create environments for us to be in community. Now, they aren't, and they don't necessarily always need to be your best friends. They won't always necessarily be people that you're in your life stage. They're not even necessarily always people that you would naturally relate to. Actually, sometimes that can really be the joy of it because often they're the ones that disciple you and sometimes it's the grit that makes the oyster. They won't always be people that live around the corner. We live in a massive city. I don't think life works like that anymore. But Jesus in the gospels was constantly surrounded by a small group of people. I'd encourage you to get a group of people around you that you can learn from, that you can invest in, that they can invest in you and that you can grow alongside. Jesus chose 12 people to walk his life out with. Actually, he had roughly the same number of women alongside him as well so i don't know what 25 odd people around him you could call that a large small group we call them small groups because they're supposed to be small so when somebody says to me oh it's there's really quite a small group of people like it's a bad thing i'm like yeah that's how it's meant to be because you want to know them and i'm not trying to criticize jesus for having 25 i just think that's a reflection of what's going on in this context but they they hung out with him He was fully committed to them, and they were fully committed to him. He actually spent a little bit more time with a few of them, Peter, James, and John, and then actually spent a bit more time than that just with John. Now, the Gospels talk about loads of other settings and environments as well. There was larger groups where Jesus seemed to spend time with people. Huge crowds, thousands followed him to see the miracles he was doing or to be fed or maybe intrigued, whatever it might be. Then there's about 120 of them that gathered around him after his crucifixion. There were 72 that you could say were very committed to him. He trained them up, sent them out, and they went to the neighboring villages from where they were, and they started to live out and demonstrate what the kingdom of God was like. Now, I'd say, actually, most of us live like that in a number of ways. Some of us would have a large, wide group of acquaintances, work colleagues, friends, people would know or rub shoulders with from days gone by. Some of you would know their first name, some people you'd know their second names, you might have them as a friend on Facebook, although does that actually mean anything? Probably you would have about, I don't know, 25 or so people that you would know a bit better that you might call for if you're in a time where you need help, if you break down or, you know, whatever it might be maybe three or four that you're actually a bit more real with, you're quite honest with. Sometimes people would then have the the Jesus-John relationship. You might have that one person that's a bit closer. There's kind of like a heart connection thing and a real common theme in your lives that you share together. Isn't it funny that Jesus was just like us? Or actually, should we say we've become like him? But here's, here's kind of the takeaway of what I want to say. Jesus recognized his need for community, people to share the ups and downs, the highs and lows with. He wasn't faking it, I don't think, when he came back deeply discouraged on one of the most dramatic lives nights of his life when he's about to be betrayed, he says to his close friends, hey guys, would you stay up and pray f- for me? Would you stand with me in this moment of pain? And he comes back and they're asleep. Even Jesus found relationships hard, disappointing frustrating but Jesus had real friends he had real enemies he had real conversations some went well some probably didn't go quite as well but he lived out his life in community alongside others sometimes he stood alone all by himself he said things that alienated others he made decisions that nobody else necessarily understood or even agreed with he wasn't just being difficult or stubborn he was just aligning himself with his father our Father and our God. And I I want to encourage us as we launch into this term to commit, commit to community. Not just when it's fun, not just when it feels easy, not just when it makes us feel good, but when it's hard, when it really takes a backbone, when people say silly and almost offensive things, when the rubber hits the road, when it's frustrating, when we find there's different ways of seeing things or saying things. Steph and I have always been huge believers in the community of God. We are called to be a family, warts and all. That's not always easy, but you don't walk away from sons and daughters, parents and grandparents. It's really the life that Jesus modeled to us. It it takes commitment. I'm often reflecting, We, we didn't seek to plant a church. That would have been quite difficult. We sought to raise a family. I think that's even more difficult if if we If we read the Bible, which i'd encourage us all to do i I think what we see Jesus constantly doing is just connecting people in community, forming groups, relationships, joining people, connecting people constantly it's what It's what he encourages us to do John fifteen verse thirteen says this: "There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. you are my friends if you if you do what I command you to do we're called to a depth of commitment in community in a way where we're to love each other the way that Jesus loved us and he gave his life in his love and service of us. We may not have to die for someone, but I think there's many ways that we can learn to practically sacrifice for each other, to learn to love, to listen, to help, to encourage, to give. Yeah, I'll help you with your garden. and I'll do some housework with you. I'll help you drill a hole and I'll give you a lift make you a meal I'll give you a lift to the hospital and I'll be there with you in that moment when you're happy I'll laugh with you when you cry I'll stand with you and I'll wipe your tears I'll walk through with with you with you as you carry the pain of that bereavement whatever it might be I think we're called to give and we're called to love and once we've done that I think we're called to do it again And when we think we've given everything we've got, I think we're killed to give a little bit more because it costs us. This costs us to live like this. It cost him everything. Because Jesus is our Lord and Master, he should call us servants. But instead he calls us friends. How comforting and reassuring to be chosen as friends of Jesus because he's Lord and Master. We owe him our unqualified obedience. But most of all, Jesus asks us to obey him because we love him. The call to the commitment, I believe, is the call to community. I, I would encourage you, don't wait to, to receive it. Start giving it. Often in the giving, you'll find the very thing that you're looking for yourself. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for a friend. Do we give or do we take? Let's give to community. I think it's gonna cost. I think it'll inconvenience you. It'll cost you your time, your effort, your money, your emotional commitment. At times, it will mean that you may be misunderstood. And I say this as sensitively as I can, but I started by saying over the summer, I've just been reflecting that some of you, it's time to lick your wounds. And I wondered if actually it's specifically relating to some of this, because for some of you, you'll have gone into hibernation with this. You will have been hurt. You'll have been hurt by previous experience you'll have been hurt by people saying or doing the wrong thing at the wrong time in the wrong way you'll have maybe stepped out in vulnerability and felt wounded in the process and the thing i just continually felt the lord saying was is it time to lick your wounds and to go again to step out afresh to commit again to the community in the way that the father calls us to it's part of the way that we discover more of him and who he's created us to be we can't do it alone we find the fullness of who he is as we commit to each other and it doesn't matter how long you're with us for it doesn't matter how long you're in this city i would encourage you to come out of that mini pool and the safety of it and jump into the fullness of all that he has for you so that's 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 commitment the second thing that sorry that's community the second thing i feel within commitment I wanted to speak on this morning was, was challenge and change. The power of the gospel and the transformation we see in the gospel is really quite remarkable. Literally, in a moment, sometimes we see it, healing, forgiveness, freedom, all sorts. True transformation really takes place when we're willing to look and to consider and to reflect on our choices, but actually that's not easy. And it's certainly not comfortable. It can be hard to then let others in on that journey. I I was reading recently something that said this. The church is not meant to be a museum of saints, but a hospital for sinners. Yet most of us would rather pretend to be a saint on display than call for an ambulance. Isn't that true? If elements of your life feel up in the air, if parts of your life feel painful as you're working through them and working out how it should be when it's aligned to the will of the Father, I think that's how it should be. And I think that's okay. As 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 disciples, I think part of the sanctification process, all that really means is just the changing process, whereas as we're changed and we get to know Jesus more, we become more like him and we live that out. That's what sanctification is. But part of that process is really just examining our hearts. That process of personal assessment involves considering our lives, confessing some stuff, praying through some stuff, looking at the fruit of our lives and looking at the root and where it comes from. We bring it all before God so that he can uproot some of the sinful patterns in our lives and bring healing to the necessary Areas as we do that, is part of the process of moving from the mini-pond to the big sea, because we're all really just a mixture of wheat and weeds. We always will be. We're parts in a part, part same. That's the mystery of holding the wheat and the weeds together in the field of life. I, I can't say to you, "Hey, that's, that's just who I am. That's the way I am. That's, that's my personality. That's just me. Suck it up. Get used to it. That's that's not how it's meant to be. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can transcend our humanness. And not only can we, we're supposed to, we're called to. I don't think you can really do that without holding a mirror up to your life and actually often letting dear, close people help you along the way. I am so grateful for the community of the church that lovingly, over the years have loved me enough not to leave me how I am, but to speak truth into my life and set me free. Just to remind me, show me, help me realise some of my daft, short-sighted behaviours and attitudes, and to believe in me and to cheer me on. Now, honestly, I think there's a way to do it, in relationships and in love. I'm less grateful for at times where people have just chucked stones at that, said silly things in silly ways, but. We're all on a journey of grace. I need you to have grace for me as much as I will often need to have it for you. But we've we got to be careful. But I'm constantly looking and inviting people to speak in my life. Speak into my life. I'm trying to be soft. I'm trying to stay soft because I want the Holy Spirit to constantly be prompting me to allow me to become more like him. At the end of the day, do I reflect my day and do I go, hang on a minute, just hold on a minute, was I grumpy, was I moody, was I irritable, was I snappy, was I unkind, was I judgmental, greedy, whatever it might be? Because we should be on a journey of continual refinement and it takes a lot of compassion and forgiveness, often just towards ourselves. Galatians five, verse one says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. You know, the message of the gospel is, is both a comfort and a call to change. I'm so glad of both, they go together. We, we'd often say, hey, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Jesus wants to change us. This, this really, actually, I'd say is linked to community. We're a community that believes in people even when we haven't seen or don't immediately see visible change. Come as you are. You are so welcome. That belief in people can actually change people's lives in and of itself because I think it's a God thing. I don't know if you've ever heard of Thomas Edison. I I was reading his story over the summer. Apparently he came home from school and he gave his mum a screwed up piece of paper and um, he said to her my teacher told me to give this to you and nobody else and to not look at it and his mum with tears in her eyes read out what was written on this piece of paper and she read this your son is a genius the school is too small for him please teach him yourself after many years thomas's mum died and by this point he became what now you would say is one of the greatest inventors known in American history, he lived between 1847 and 1931. From some of the reading I've done, I I would understand him to be one of the greatest inventors they've seen. One day as he's looking through some old family things, he saw this folded, screwed up bit of paper in the corner of the desk and on it was written these words, your son is mentally ill. They didn't actually use those words, that would be the modern-day equivalent. We won't let him come to the school anymore. He cried for some time, then wrote this in his diary, Thomas Edison was mentally ill as a child, that by a hero mother became the genius of a century. Isn't that remarkable? Belief is so powerful. We, d- we don't write people off. I don't know if you've, have you written yourself off? Peter Scazzaro, he wrote a book called um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. He wrote in it this. The bible doesn't spin the weakness and the flaws of its heroes moses was a murderer Hazir's wife was a prostitute peter rebuked god noah got drunk jonah was a racist jacob was a liar john mark deserted paul elijah burnt out jeremiah was depressed and suicidal thomas was a doubter moses had a temper timothy was persistently unwell and it kind of goes on he says what those heroes of the faith really say to all of us is that regardless of any gift or any strength we are weak and we are vulnerable and we are dependent on god and we are dependent on the community that he has created us to thrive in wouldn't you say that you are in a place that believes in you i you know what i was the kid in the church youth group that everybody wished wasn't in the youth group and actually wasn't in the church because I carried the pain and the hurt of my life in my attitude and behavior. But a few people believed in me, thank goodness, and it made the world a difference. Honestly, you're gonna need, I believe, to commit to community. You're gonna need, I believe, to commit to change and to be challenged within the context of that. We are going nowhere. Uh, we believe in you. And I believe as the Spirit of God allows it to happen in your life, he'll begin to rewrite your story. That doesn't mean it'll always be easy. I, I often say, actually, I only know when someone's committed to friendship and relationship with me. It's when I've said no, and they haven't walked away. That's not the culture we currently really live in. We're living in times and a culture where commitment is so lost and so watered down. Can I call you afresh to commitment, to commit to change and to be challenged, to give yourself to it, to be all that it can be, to not settle for where you are, but become all that you can be? The final one a commitment to being countercultural. Now, before I launch into that, obviously, I've had a a few weeks off, and we're talking about commitment and the points are a commitment to community, a commitment to challenge and change, and a commitment to being countercultural. Free seas under the banner of a sea. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> now, don't don't thank you. Don't judge me. If you're here for the first time, bear with me. I do have a reinforced blue spade that I use on the beach. Um but I yeah, I don't take myself seriously. I do take Jesus seriously. I'd encourage you to do the same. Anyway, let's move on. We live in crazy times. We really do. It's nuts politically, economically, socially. Things are swaying around all over the place. We we live in in a culture that is just grabbing hold of stuff. We need more stuff. I'm entitled to it. It's my right. Grabbing hold of relationships. So many superficial things. I need more likes on Facebook. I need. I'm comparing myself on. Instagram, we need the we need just I need the information. I need the latest news. Consuming technology, the latest products. Nothing's ever satisfying. You know, we're often sitting in a room with people on our phones communicating with somebody in the room that we don't know as well and never will know as well as probably the person we could know as well that we're actually in the room with. It's crazy. <coughs> We've gotta commit to being countercultural. This that cannot be it that cannot be the fullness of the wide-roaring open ocean that we're men are swimming. You know, Steph and I, we we find the summer so replenishing. I I hope you do. Sometimes it's hard to have a break from meeting together, but actually, it's really helpful in this stage and this season. We intentionally carve out time and space to be replenished and to be refreshed. We're, We're in this for the long haul. We can't run dry. Carving out time Feels so countercultural. We're, we're in this culture, like the FOMO, fear of missing out, is nuts. I, I want to say, find the joy of missing out. There really is. Spend time with Jesus, with the Father. He said, I just got to be about my Father's business. That should be the business we're about, not dragged into the hectic craziness that we can often land ourselves in. John 10:27. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me. Jesus says, three things happen when you make him your shepherd. You hear his voice, you have relationship with him and you follow him. In other words, you put him in control of your life. That's what we're called to. To know him, to interact, to relate with him, to live the way that he calls us to. I spent some time recently just reflecting afresh on Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all I need. That's good enough, surely. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil, my cup overflows with blessing. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Notice you don't stay in the valley. You keep walking through it and he's with you. You know, if if you join us today and you're in a hard season, keep walking through it. If the enemy is nipping at your heels, Keep walking through it. If your circumstances, your faith, your finances, your job, your relationships, whatever it might be, feel under it, keep walking through it. That's the mandate. Keep committing to Jesus. It's I mean it's countercultural. But I, I think it's the only solution. In that psalm, surely here's a picture of rest, provision, peace, and protection. But it's also a of community where the shepherd leads he also prepares the way he prepares a table for you what happens when we sit down for a meal at a table what do we have we have community we have gathering we have intimacy our good God does not lead us to leave us everything the enemy is trying to do is trying to pull you away from all of that He pulls you away from commitment. He causes us to just get swept up in the overflow of culture. Do you live like Jesus matters more than anything else? That's what he's calling us to. I mean, ultimately, he's calling us to Christ, his church, his cause. I want to encourage us to see it that we aren't supposed to just consume culture like it would currently believe we're supposed to take 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 get 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 me 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 it's quite the opposite it's give 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 as you lay down your life as you give up as you surrender as you hand over as you sacrifice to the things of god to his plans to his purposes you'll find your life and you'll find the fullness of it you move from the safety of a man-made pool a man-created man-sustained man-limited thing to the fullness of the wide open sea and the depth of relationship and adventure that really he's created you for. I'd I'd say, you know, today's a new season. It's a new chapter. It's a new term. Take the opportunity. Seize it. Jump in both feet. What we're going to do in a moment is we're just, as we always do, we're just going to invite the Spirit of God to move among us. You know, I, I find it fascinating. Jesus said to the disciples and some others, He said, Hey, stay in Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit comes. He said, Stay there and wait. We're not particularly good at that in this culture. We don't like waiting, but we've just got to wait for the Lord. Let's let Him move among us. Don't become uncomfortable. Don't feel awkward. We just want to, in a moment, we're just going to spend some time just waiting for the lord we don't as much as it we want to live in community and we can help and serve and strengthen each other we need the lord we need his presence among us and that's kind of what we're going to do so why don't we stand listening to find out more head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description